Praise God. Well, the Lord's messing my message up tonight, so y'all going to have to bear with me here a little bit. I told Laura a while ago, I said, I've got so much. I mean, really, I just, there's so many things that I want to say. I mean, we say we're hungry for revival, but are we hungry for revival? Are we hungry for what revival brings? And so I've been praying about this for a long time, uh, about, you know, how are we going to, what are we going to do in the midst of revival? Just asking y'all, you know, to look in your heart and say, what are you going to do in the midst of revival? Are you, you know, going to be okay to lose your seat? <laughs> You're going to be okay to come to church and worship for five hours, you know? You're going to be okay to, you know, I mean, this is just things that, you know, we have to understand. A lot of times we, as Christians, we get saved and then we go into this, you know, we have excitement for a few years and you go into this lull period, but... Brother Ivan and I were talking about it, and <clears throat> I can say this with all honesty in my heart. I've been in revival since the day I met Jesus. I, I, I may be a little higher sometimes, but there's revival. Everything's going on. The word to me is as alive today as the day I got saved. I cannot quit devouring the word. And so anyway, I got to thinking about doing a class. And I don't know when I'm going to do this class. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but anyway, I was thinking about it. And I was praying about what would I call it? What would I call it? What would I call it? And so the first thing that popped in my mind was how to live a radical Christian life or something of this nature. And then I got to thinking about the word radical. And I got to thinking about the word how radicals kind of got a bad connotation to it. And so I went to just old Webster's. And I want to read this to you. I looked it up, what it means to be radical. So you know how there's all different formats of how it can be, all right? Okay, so one of them was favoring extreme changes in existing views, habits, conditions, or institutions. And I thought, that's probably the definition. If you say radical Christianity or radical music or radical, that's probably the first thought people have in their mind. That's what it means to favoring extreme changes, okay? And then it, it goes on, it says, associated with political views, practices, policies of extreme change, advocating extreme measures in, 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 to retain or restore a political state of affairs. And so, you know, those definitions of the word radical is probably what most people think about when you say radical, you know, they're out of control. And there's a part of that that's true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, people looked at me when I, when I, met Jesus, and I just totally changed everything I was doing and left everything I was in. They said, well, he's, he's radical. And, you know, I guess some people looking at me, that would have seemed radical. You know what I mean? It wasn't radical to me. I didn't think about it. I'm just going to go do something extreme. I just fell in love with Jesus and just started following him. And, uh, but then there's another word, to uh, a meaning to what the word radical means. So when I first read it, I thought, what? And then I started laughing. Okay, it means relating to or proceeding from a root, such as growing from the root of a plant, a tuber. Radical in that sense, okay? Growing from the base of a stem, from a root-like stem, or from a stem that does not rise above the ground, 
like radical leaves. And I thought, well, I'd, you know, normally if you say something, oh, well, that's radical, most people would not think of that meaning to it, right? But think about what it's saying. It's radical because it's growing from the root or from the base of the plant. You with me? Okay. So I thought about, yeah, now if you get to thinking about that, and you put that with John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my word abide or my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Wow. So now thinking about the word radical, and you're saying you're a radical Christian. Well, wait a minute. That's a Christian who's tapped into the root. Or that's a Christian that's springing forth from the root. That's out here as a vine, the, the source coming through the vine, and you're the branch, the leaf out there growing coming from him. Now if you say, I want to live the radical, learning how to live a radical Christian life, then you're going to be saying, wait a minute, I just want to know about Jesus and how he lives. Follow what I'm saying? Because I think the world, I know I am, I'm, I'm through with extremism. I don't want to have extremists, you know, Heightened emotion or super sensational just for the sake of that. Right? I want to live the radical Christian life that's the source is coming from the root. Hello? That's coming from, from Jesus. And as I sat and I watched that movie and I was looking at it, I was watching, I was the whole time just sitting there thinking, you know, nobody but Jesus could have pulled this off. Because there wasn't anything going on. There wasn't some, you know, today we've got so many worship groups and, and, and around that are just tremendous in all that they do. And their, their stage productions rival, you know, anything, right? But there was not any of that going on. We're talking about a hippie, bunch of hippies going down to a, a cove and just going out and and walking out in the water and getting baptized and giving the hearts to Jesus and it was real and just living together and everybody was, you know, finding out the things of God and they were all focused on the Word of God and the Word of God was just being shared and people were hungry and growing and going on from there. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that has to be God, right? It has to come from the root. It has to be Jesus, like when he walked down the streets of Nazareth and he walked down the street and people were just affected who came up around him and followed him right I want to be hooked into that vine I don't want to do something that brings glory to Robert right I just want to be in the middle of what Jesus is doing and what's funny is that you know what is it Proverbs uh what is it Proverbs 11 it's 11 no Proverbs 27 7 says to the Hungry heart, even bitter things become sweet, right? In other words, when you're hungry for Jesus, the rest of it doesn't really matter. Whatever's coming around doesn't make any difference what's taking place and what's going on. And, and, uh, and isn't that what it all is about? Okay, so 
I want to jump now. I want to take you over to that scripture that we looked at last week in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 5. And I want to read it again. With all that in mind, thinking about all that. In Revelation chapter 5 verse 1. That's where John was in, the, was in heaven. And it says, And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Now, here's Almighty God sitting on the throne holding the scroll. Now, the scroll, if you go ahead and you read the rest of the chapters in chapter 6 and chapter 7, it's the, it's the wrath of God. And when Jesus begins to pop the seals, every time a seal is popped, something starts taking place. It's the, it's the seal, it's the scroll that once opened starts the tribulation, the wrath of God being poured out on mankind. All right? And this thing is being held in the hand of the Father. Now, I, I ran this just so y'all don't think I'm totally nuts. I ran this by Brother Ivan. I was just I was talking to him about this and seeing his take on it. But I got to thinking, how did the Father always have that scroll in his hand? Or had the scroll been laying over there on the altar and then, you know, the Father just picked the scroll up? And had it in his hand for that day so chapter 5 could be written. When the father got up that morning, ate his breakfast, and went over there and was getting ready to sit down on the throne, he just reached over there and picked up the scroll. Or did he always have it in his hand? And I'm, I, I, this is the Seth Robert, but I'm kind of thinking he had it in his hand all the time. Because how else could the father have let Jesus go to the cross unless he knew that what was in his hand over here was going to redeem and bring everything about and then the end and everything that took place was going to happen because he already had it in his hand. So I'm just saying, this again, it's just Robert. You can take it or leave it, just whatever. You don't like it, you don't need to write me a letter, tell me I was wrong. Just don't listen to the message anymore. But if it was in his right hand was the wrath of God, well, then in his left hand would have been the grace of God or the love of God or the mercy of God, Right? For everything that was taking place. So this event's about to take place. And so it says he wept much because no one was found worthy to open or read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, hey, don't weep, don't weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. Now this is, this is where I'm getting. This is what's stirring inside of me, okay? The father is sitting there holding the throne, the, the scroll, and the, the, I don't want you to focus on the scroll or the father holding it. I want you to focus on there was no one worthy to open it in heaven, on earth, or in hell, right? But only one, Jesus. Okay, so I showed y'all last week, and we went through all this stuff looking at this about how Jesus, he's king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he is. If you believe the Bible's true, you know John, Revelation 5's true. You know what John wrote down is true. You know it's inspired word of God, and that's the truth. Well, folks, let me just tell you something. If Jesus is 
who the Bible says he is, and he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then, then when he moves, things happen. But what gets me is how people so quickly can forget that he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It amazes me at how quickly, you know, that was 50 years ago, the Jesus movement took place. And 50 years, and then now churches have just, you know, dumbed down. But you know what happens? The hungry soul, they're not hungry. Because the hungry soul, even ever bitter things sweet. You just want to be in the presence of Jesus. You just want to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You just want to, you're just glad you're a Christian. You'll do whatever. It doesn't make any difference, man. It's not about you and your agenda. It's just about God. It's just about being with Jesus and being in his presence and being right in the middle of it and just walking with him and talking with him and having the power of the Holy Ghost with you and just being able to walk because he's the one, the only one, who's worthy because he's the only one in heaven or on earth or under the earth. He has the power and authority to do what he does. I believe we're poised to come back and we see another move of God, another revival. Right, revival, reformation, whatever you want to call it. Something God's doing sovereignly. And I just think that I want what I'm saying to you tonight is it ain't going to be like what you think. And all I can say is to Christians, you better get ready because you may get knocked out of your comfort zone. You may be challenged as Mary because you've been in the Christian lifestyle so long, you've gotten into a place, an apathetic place, to where you're not really hungry anymore. What you are is you're just, you still love Jesus, but it's become secondary. And it reminds me of the church in Revelation where he says, man, you know, you're not really hot or cold. You're just kind of lukewarm. You're just kind of trying to do your own thing and you know, and I don't like lukewarm things. I spew it out of my mouth. And I think the church, I'm talking about the whole body of Christ. I know y'all are listening to this tonight, and I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but I'm just saying the whole body of Christ has just become, I keep wanting to use the word dumb. They just gotten, you know, like you had that, got that book for dummies, you know, it's just kind of gotten dumb to Christianity, dumb to what Jesus wants to do, dumb to the things that are really important to Jesus that we think are so important that are not important to him at all. And I believe that the real move of God will start and take place when Christians believe, begin to look down in their hearts and say, Jesus, it's really all about you. It's not about me. It's not about my agenda. It's not about what I want to do. It's not about my ministry. It's not about my vision. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's just about you, Jesus, and I'm just so glad I'm saved. I'm just so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad he didn't leave me in the pig pen of life. I'm so glad he pulled me up out of the muck and the mire. I'm so glad that, that I got delivered and, and set free. So glad, man, that I have a Bible. I'm just so glad I have a Bible. I mean, I can never be in bondage if I have a Bible. If I have a word, they make it lock me in prison, but I still got the word hidden in my heart. And if I got hold of some word, man... It's life, right? And so the church has got to wake up. The church has just got to wake up, and Christians have just got to wake up, get out of their pity parties and their little whiny places and, and just wake up. Okay, so on down in, back in Revelation 5, 
And he talks about what he was going to do in the, and he, yeah, at the very end of it, down verse 8, he says, And by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people of nation, have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Well, I told y'all that I, that really should have been translated a kingdom of priests. If you look at Exodus 19, 3 through 6, he actually literally says, I'm going to make y'all a kingdom of priests, okay? But what kind of priest? Here's another word. I told you a different, different definition for the word radical. I want to give you a different thought about priest. Because a lot of times when you think of priest, I mean, I do. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one that's warped. God's just trying to get me delivered and y'all aren't. But if you say priest to me, the first thing that comes to my mind is a robe. I mean, you know, I mean, you, I can have them or not, but I'm just saying, you say priest, I think of a man in a robe, okay? I don't, the word priest to me, I don't think warrior. I don't think of those two in the same, you know. One's a battle-hardened weapon, you know, of war, and then you've got priest. But then a priest should be a warrior in the sense that what I'm going to say right now. Because why does Ephesians 6.10, if we're a kingdom of priests, why does Ephesians 6.10 tell us we need to put on armor? So what kind of priests are these that Jesus has redeemed by his blood? They're a special breed of warring priest. Priests, because they have a relationship with God, and they speak back and forth to God. So they're priests in that day. Priests, because they minister unto the Lord and tell him how great he is and and, 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 and exalt him and praise him and minister to him, right? Priests that we can do the work of the Lord, be his hands and his feet on this earth, right? But also priests because our position is we're taking ground. And until Christians come to understand why do we need armor if we're not in war? And who are we warring against? We're not warring against people. We're not warring against flesh and blood. But we're warring against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness. We're warring against the enemy that fell from heaven. That Luke 10 says Jesus saw him fall from heaven like lightning. Right? That's who we're warring against. Then maybe the, the warring priests will begin to get up and put on the armor of God. And I believe in this revival in this last day, it's not going to be just kumbaya. I believe it's the warring priest rising up and coming to be who that God really called them to be. And so when they go up to their friend or whoever and they're depressed, he says, you know, what are you doing? And start to speak to them and get them delivered. That's why I wanted to hold a class on radical living the radical Christian life or being radical Christians or something like that and start teaching people to be warring priests. So that you could just look at your friend and have the boldness to say, you know, you're just listening to the devil. This is what the word says. Lay hands on them and see them set free. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? So then he says, if, if warring priests, you've been given a sword, right? Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this is, this is in taking this word and using this word as a weapon. 
So it's got to be warring priests. It's a kingdom of warring priests. There's nothing else it could be. Hello? Y'all with me? And that's you in the army of God. The other day, and, and, and I just want to tell you something just so that everyone knows that, you know, you're, you're not alone. I was out praying. I was having a great time. All right? And I was just, man, I, I mean, it was early in the morning. And I, man, it was, man, it was just a great time with the Lord. And I was just praying and speaking the word and doing all this. And I got to thinking about teaching this class and, 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 and what it would do. And I got to speaking all this. And I mean, the devil just walked right up to me and said, why are you doing that? There'd be no sense in doing that. All it's going to do is cause conflict. And, you know, you're not. And, he just, and I said, I just stopped and I just turned. And I said, who invited you to the party? I said, get out of here. And it was just like instantly the, the voice left me. And I thought, but see, here you are. You're right in the middle of trying to do something. The devil will walk right up to you and talk to you and talk you out of it. But if you're not going to stand strong for God, if you're not going to notice that and recognize that and know how to deal with it, well, then you just get influenced by the devil. Hello? So I would say get ready and get hungry and be willing to tell the Lord, Lord, whatever it looks like, I'll walk in it. I just love you. I know you're the only one that can take the... the seal out of his hand, and whatever it looks like, I'm going to walk in, and you're going to make it happen. Amen? So everybody say, I'm ready. You radical bunch of priests. Yeah, look at somebody beside you there. Just look at somebody and say, you're a radical priest. Hooked into the vine. Amen. Well, stand up. Let me pray for you. Father, I just declare that we're going to walk in everything that you have for us. Lord, I declare that the obstacles of life are are just going to be blown away. And we're going to walk with you. I declare that I'm speaking to hungry people tonight. I'm speaking to a kingdom of radical priests, warring priests, that are willing to go forth and do whatever you'd have for us to do. And so, Lord, I just praise you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for uh, the move of God. And, Lord, all I'm saying is we're hungry, and we're going to walk in it. Now, Lord, I ask you to bless the people tonight. I ask you to bless their giving, bless their businesses, bless their finances. Bless them, Lord God, like they have never, ever, ever experienced. Bless them with the richness of your love, the richness of your mercy, the richness of your grace. And so, Lord, I ask you tonight that this message sink down within our heart. And, Holy Ghost, you take it as they sleep tonight. You just twist it and turn it and... And work it in them. And Lord, we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.